return. From WAMU 88.5 at American University in Washington, welcome to the Kojo Nandi Show, connecting your neighborhood with the world. The computer guys and gal are here. And they are Allison Drewin, Chief Futurist at the University of Maryland Division of Research and Co-Director of the Future of Information Alliance at the University of Maryland. Allison got here on time. Thank you. <laughs> That's one. Thank you very much. Uh, a pleasure to be here on time. <laughs> John Gilroy, Director for Business Development for BLT Global Ventures. John, he got here on time. I got Thank here on you time for too. Being here. Good, good. <laughs> Bill Harlow is hardware and software technician for Macs and PCs at Mid-Atlantic Consulting Incorporated. Can you tell us what technology you use to get here? Today? Actually, to get here um, in the nick of time, ways uh, save my bacon. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from any of the listeners what is going on on Rock Creek Parkway, because that was brutal. <laughs> I was delayed in Rock Creek Park this morning, and I never checked to see exactly what was wrong. So before this broadcast is over, we will find out why Bill Harlow was delayed on Rock Creek Parkway. Yeah. But it is the computer guys and gal, and you know how to join the broadcast by calling 800 433-8850. Apple has long been the king of music sales with its iPod and iTunes store. Now the company is jumping into the music streaming business as more people choose to subscribe to services like Spotify and Pandora for their tunes. The company said yesterday it will launch Apple Music on June 30th. Tell us what you think. 800-433-8850. Will you try it out? Do you prefer subscribing to a streaming service or buying songs you like? Bill, why is Apple getting into the streaming business, and what's the goal for this new competitor? Well, you know, June 30th is my birthday, so I think we all know why they're launching the service. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. No, Makes no ego sense. problem there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think the, the reality is that, you know, more and more people are switching to these sorts of services versus, you know, buying albums or songs outright. Uh, Spotify is really popular. Um, people even go to uh, YouTube, pull up a video, just listen to a song. So... Um, they've got this hybrid system in place where you can get a basic, you know, free package, um, sign up, and you can listen to uh, Beats One Radio, um, or you can pay a monthly fee. It's going to be ten bucks a month for individuals, fifteen bucks a month for families. And the idea behind that is you have access to. They're not really clear, but it sounds like just about everything. So you know, pretty much everything in the store. They'll check to see what you've already got in your library and try to match that. So in some ways, it's a lot like iTunes Match. In fact, when I was reading through, I can't really tell the difference. But Apple claims that they are different yet complementary. I don't know what that means yet. So still a lot more to find out. But it looks pretty cool. And my favorite feature, uh, two favorite features. One is they're willing to put this on Android, not just Apple products. And secondly, um, the radio station is actually, uh, they've got Zane Lowe, who's a BBC One DJ. So he and his team are going to be curating music. It's not just algorithms picking what's popular. Best, Human beings, no way. Best part of it is how he managed to get in for the entire audience that June 30th is his birthday. <laughs> yes, that's the important phrase. Are you going to get candy and flowers then, too? <laughs> Apple's also, small, Alice. <laughs> it's also going to upgrade its iOS 8 mobile operating system and OS 10 system for its computers. What should we know about these new operating systems, and how soon do you recommend upgrading? As late as possible is always my, my yeah, answer. Right. In my case, I've got uh, you know other hard drives I can install and test on, which I always like to do first. Um, so this uh, both, uh, yeah, Mac OS 10.11 El Capitan is uh, coming out in the fall. And uh, the big thing is it's, it's uh, a refinement. Uh, they're working on performance. One of the things they talked about that, that interests me is called Metal, which uh, you may have heard about with uh, iOS idea behind that is you've got you know more and more graphics acceleration built into most computers and uh, they want to take better advantage of that make it more efficient so the demo that they were talking about was um, um, Adobe uh, Illustrator which this is just in the last few few days here oh I yeah mean, this happened it? yesterday yes this is really quick. I mean, this is really new so the, the idea behind that is you know all these graphics graphical tasks can be more efficient so in my case, Illustrator, it takes forever to redraw, making that feel uh, much more like real time is really cool. Uh, Safari's gotten smarter, adding some Chromecast-like features. And uh, 
it's really silly, but one of the things they showed off that I like a lot, because if you've got like a big monitor or a high-res monitor and your cursor's really tiny and you're trying to find it, you shake it and it grows so my aging eyes can find it easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Other recent news out of Apple is a new title for the company's design guru, Johnny Ive. He's now chief design officer with a mandate to work his design magic not just on Apple products, but its stores, its mm -hmm. packaging as well. What the campus even, too. What does this say about the centrality of design for Apple? For them, it's all about design, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, the big thing, too, is uh, for Apple, design is not just, you know, making something look pretty. So, you know, the designers and engineers, so they really do work together. You know, they really try to make design uh, um, a function as well. So um, he's got uh, two VPs reporting to him, uh, Richard Horwath and uh, uh, Alan Dye, um, so Richard is the new VP of industrial design. He'll be responsible for industrial design and UI. And Alan Dye is the new user interface design uh, VP. So they're all going to be reporting to uh, um, Johnny. And the idea with, with this is that Johnny can not deal so much with the day-to-day -day admin and focus on all these things he's got he on his plate. He can be a futurist. You know, he, uh, okay. He's an oldest, too, because if you read the uh, Jobs biography, he was one of Jobs' uh, boys there. Oh, initially. yeah. This guy's got, like, hundreds of patents. This guy's way smart. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's probably part of the reason why Apple is still significant and, you know, he, he probably responsible for maintaining that culture there, uh, among and, other people. And the course. question is, what would Steve Jobs have to say about a subscription-based music service? He always opposed it. Well, the company made famous by its You've Got Mail greeting is going to be a part of Verizon. The telecom company is buying AOL, not for its now quaint email operation, but for its cutting-edge advertising and video expertise. What does Verizon get in this deal, Allison? Verizon wants content, and AOL has content. And it's got actually, it's interesting because not only does it have um, some really interesting video content that, in fact, it is, uh, is actually being nominated for awards, um, but it's got, it owns the Huffington Post, TechCrunch, um, and Gadget. I mean, we're talking... You know this. This is a uh, this is quite a company. That plus the fact that it has uh, one by AOL, which is this whole sort of ads media um, planning and analysis and um, you know and basically a tracking kind of um, breadcrumb tracking from their ads is Huffington Post, TechCrunch. It's got a lot of it's content. it's got it, it's got a lot of tools in some sense. You know, they're, they're calling them platforms, but it's got a lot of tools that actually others may want to buy in terms of licensing um, uh, opportunities. So it actually has a lot of depth to that company, much more so than the uh, the average public uh, realizes. And that's the phrase that pays. I mean, that's the the platform. That's what Apple's trying to do with music, and that's what Verizon's trying to do with content, and and people are trying to get in. And and, and own everything they can. And, and that's really the phrase, the commonality between these two uh, news events. Well, let's talk about what Microsoft is trying to do because Microsoft has set a date for the release of its new operating system, Windows 10, July 29th. It's going to come out in 190 countries. Remind us of how this new system is going to work on phones, tablets, and PCs and why Microsoft is betting that that's what people want. Well, Kojo won't have his sleeping bag out of the Microsoft <laughs> nope. store no. waiting all night long for this one like happened a few years ago. No, I'll still be recovering from my June 30th birthday party. <laughs> yeah, the birthday party with Bill. That's going to be a good one. If all goes well. well. Well, if people remember Windows 7, it was kind of a likable operating system, and, and Windows 8 tried to incorporate a lot of mobile features in it, and it, it was a little awkward for old-timers, and some people adjusted to it. What they're trying to do is trying to come up with some commonality where the operating system can work well on a desktop and well on a tablet and, and look cutting good on a phone itself, and I think that may be um, biting off more than they can uh, achieve, but we'll, we'll see what happens here. You know? And by the way, it's it's going to be free. So this is a whole different model from what we're used to for Microsoft. Well, it's free for Windows free 7 and yeah. 8 owners. And in fact, if you have Windows 7 or 8, you may have even seen this little thing at the bottom of uh, or in the taskbar that has the Windows logo. And that's so you can get in there and sign up and reserve a copy to download for free. Yeah. No, I mean, actually, they're, they're learning that it, it's all about uh, a tech ecosystem and that it's got to be it's got to play well in all different forms. Um, the real challenge is, are they going to are they going to let the uh, let's see. Let the content live and breathe um, differently between the different um, mm -hmm. uh, platforms, or are they going to make sure they shoehorn every single <laughs> platform to being the same? And that's what happens with Windows 8, right? Yeah. And so we so they've got to be careful with that. I think they've learned a bit from this, um, but again, we've got to remember Windows 10 users 
are still going to live in a mixed world. They're going to live in a mixed world with music, with video, with, I mean, because let's face it, Microsoft is not king in all forms of media. I know this is shocking to you, John, but I have to tell you that. <laughs> on to music again. Here is Chris in Arlington, Virginia. Chris, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi, Chris. Are you there? I just can't. Hey, how's it going? Can you hear me now? I can hear you now, Chris. There we go. Okay. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you? Hey, doing? Yeah. I just. Oh, I'm doing well. Yeah. I just. Uh, I heard the topic you guys were talking about, so I was uh, interested in it. So I figured I'd call in and uh, you know put in my uh, two cents Is on it. Is this the Kojo so. show or the Chris show? <laughs> <laughs> we are interested but, in your two cents, Chris. Yes. Go ahead, please. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, Basically, uh, I'm a, I'm very uh, uh, for the the streaming of music, um, and uh, not just uh, you know not just owning music. Of course, how Apple has uh, iTunes and their iTunes library with everything, and uh, and Microsoft, you know, they have uh, their own music thing and all that. Um, but uh, no, yeah, I personally, I I think that's a, a great thing, uh, like Spotify and especially like places like Pandora that do this stuff. You don't have to. I think that's really good. So you, you think know, it's a good it, idea that Apple is getting involved in this? Yeah, no, I do. I do. Yeah. That's it. I think uh I think, you know, I think the more people that you know, I don't like to have or I don't like there to be one company that kind of runs, you know, everything. So I like it to be, you know, shared between everyone, you know, so everyone kind of gets their business in it and So Chris, I got a question for you. Uh, this is Bill. Um, thank you. I'm, I'm just wondering, um, so I guess you use uh, streaming services. Has this changed your uh, music buying or consumption habits at all? Like, what do you do most of the time? Do you stream? Do you still buy albums? Do you even um, listen to the radio actually, other uh, than Kojo? Yeah, I, I usually, uh, I honestly usually am uh, streaming my music, or um, I do have a library. I, you know, built my own library, uh, but it's in combination. I, I stuck with uh, iTunes, so that's what I started out on, but uh, I do have a little bit of a library built with uh but in recent uh, times, in Microsoft. recent times, how do you access most of your music recently? Recently, uh, that would be through Spotify, Pandora, or through iTunes. Exactly, hmm. through streaming. Once you hear the use of that word, honestly, it means I'm not paying for much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, my 16-year-old doesn't even conceive of why you would even want to own something. I mean, it's just a pain. I mean, yeah. it's you can get it when you need it and what you, you know, you imagine what... You want, and what's the point? You know. Do you put it? Do you, you know, I think right way to put kids to sleep nowadays is talk about the joy of collecting vinyl and watch their eyes glaze over. Yeah, no, it's out. you're old. Forget it. Let's stay with music for a second. And Brady in Charlottesville, Virginia. Brady, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hey, how are you doing? Um, I, as a uh, an unsigned singer songwriter, I am um, struck by the advantages that the new uh, sort of uh, way of life has for me in the way of getting a cult audience, but also the inequity between what kind of compensation I'm getting for my music and what kind of compensation the middlemen are getting. Uh, I, from what I understand, Pharrell, for the millions of hits on the song Happy, got about $6,000 from Spotify. Does that ring a bell? I don't know, Bill. Does it ring a bell for you? Uh, let me check my numbers. I'm sorry, I don't uh, ring a bell. Anyway, the, the point is just that um, I think uh, something has to change in the way of uh, of compensation for the people who actually write and and produce the music. And I'm wondering if, uh, if what you all's thoughts are on this, and if uh, Apple has any plans to compensate musicians a little more equitably. Thank you. I have no idea, Bill. I know that Apple had uh, difficulty with the music industry because they wanted to, to to offer their services for streaming at a lower rate than they end up offering it at. But this is all about the money, isn't it, and who gets what? It is. I mean, if there are no artists on there, um, then, you know, is it, is it going to matter? I think it's interesting, too, because I brought up Zane Lowe earlier. He was responsible for or partially responsible for, you know, breaking some artists and get, getting them popular. And, you know, I'm sure there's a threshold you have to hit before the numbers make sense, where Apple's making money and, and drawing people to the service and, you know, and the artists are getting paid a, a reasonable fee for that. Um, from what I've heard about Spotify and Pandora, you have to, you know, he mentioned Pharrell. Um, you have to get a lot of plays for it to really add up. And mm -hmm. 
the only way that's going to happen is if you're already kind of established and popular. So there's that, that the also also the issue of just um, marketing yourself and getting getting the word out there that you exist and people want to listen to your music. Brady, thank you very much for your call. Good luck to you. We've got to take a short break. When we come back, more of the computer guys and gal. You can also call us at 800-433-8850 and we discuss security and privacy. You can also shoot us a tweet at Kojo Show. Our hashtag is Tech Tuesday. You can also send email to kojo at wamu.org. I'm Kojo Nandi. Twelve twenty-two. The Kojo Nandi Show retin- continues in a moment. Partly cloudy, eighty-one degrees. At two after the Kojo Nandi Show on Fresh Air, late guitarist and inventor Les Paul was born one hundred years ago today. You'll hear an interview from Paul himself from a nineteen ninety-two interview on Fresh Air. Hi, this is Steve Inskeep with NPR's Morning Edition. The crack of the bat, the roar of the crowd, and the smell of fresh-cut grass are all signs that spring has sprung. Root for your home team in the nation's capital. Morning Edition on WAMU 88.5. In-depth news and analysis come together with award-winning local news for a hit right out of the park. It's like a bat and a ball. Tune into Morning Edition on WAMU 88.5 weekday mornings starting at 5. Support for WAMU 88.5 comes from General Dynamics IT Cloud Solutions, providing your enterprise with secure federal cloud solutions. General Dynamics Cloud Solutions, gdit.com slash cloud. And from Pepco's Energy Savings Program, details on how the Gaylord National Resort and Convention Center upgraded and installed LED lights to help save energy is available online at pepco.com slash business. And from BSA, the Software Alliance. With software, you are able to create, connect, and collaborate like never before. You can do amazing things with software. Learn more at withsoftware.org. Break it. We're talking about breaking news. I'm going to let Bill Harlow break this news. He is the technician for Macs and PCs at Mid-Atlantic Consulting Incorporated and one of our computer guys and gal joining us in studio. John Gelroy is Director for Business Development for BLT Global Ventures and Alison Druin is Chief Futurist at the University of Maryland Division of Research and Co-Director of the Future of Information Alliance at the University of Maryland. Bill. Well, uh, Brady was mentioning uh, that Farrell made... um Six thousand dollars off of forty-three million plays of Happy. And I want to point out that his numbers were way off. He did not make six thousand dollars. He actually made two thousand seven hundred. Forty-three million plays of Happy on Pandora. Two thousand seven hundred dollars. With the news that Chinese hackers struck the Office of Personnel Management, cybersecurity is a big concern again, which leads to worries not just about international hackers, but about privacy in our own everyday digital transactions. John, let's look at Google. We all understand in the abstract that Google keeps track of every search we do, but it's still shocking to see the actual list and imagine who else can see it. But there's a way to change your settings so Google cannot keep those records? Yeah, this is a good way to get the audience involved. You know, uh, Google has a record of every search you've ever done. And so you can find out what that history is by going to history.google.com slash history, and we'll put this up on kojoshow.org. You can find out what the – and so I looked at mine this morning at 30,000 searches, and the number one search for me was – Wikipedia, <laughs> because I'm SMRT. That's a, that was my number one search. I think number two was maybe a, a news site or something. So, but it's kind of interesting, and and you can block it if you want, and uh, or you can just not uh, allow cookies to be set in your browser. So a lot of different ways to get around. But it's, it's fascinating how much information Google, who does no evil, has on every single person listening. How often do you check your privacy settings in Google or Facebook? Give us a call eight hundred four three three eight eight five zero. Can I find out somebody else's searches by going to that same website? That would be interesting to find out, but uh, I imagine there's ways to do that. We have ways. (laughs) How do you Um, protect your privacy online? Actually, so you should know that there's actually a separation between looking at your keyword searches versus looking at the landing pages that you actually went to. And so um, it's incredible how much you can, if you want to do digital forensics on, on yourself, you can learn about what you are looking at and why and how. Um, 
Google swears, uh, you know, all the all the lawyers and such swear uh, swear that they only do aggregations of of the data and re- subject to change. Yeah, hmm. and to take a look at um, sort of trends and so on for how they're supporting uh, folks through their algorithms and such. Um, yeah, but if you really don't trust the bigwigs of Google, um, use DuckDuckGo. You know, that doesn't uh, – they say they don't track you. Um, but in the end of the day, the question is how much do you trust – how much you trust. And uh, it's about your big data and it's your personal it's your personal brand and it's also your personal information. Google Photos is a new standalone service for storing and accessing pictures. But you have to be aware of what rights you're handing over to Google by using it. Right, Bill? That's right. So the terms of service had at one point even said that uh, you know they could potentially use the photos you upload for uh, marketing purposes. Now um, I, I skimmed through the, the um, terms of service, didn't uh, didn't see uh, anything um, saying they wouldn't do that, but uh, they did respond uh, to a blog post on uh, LoopInsight.com, and they basically said that. Uh, that uh, they do. N- Google Photos will not use images or videos uploaded onto Google Photos commercially for any promotional purposes unless we ask for the user's explicit permission. So it's great that they clarified that, but I don't think it's necessarily in the terms. But yet. let's put this in perspective. Uh, Larry Page wanted this thing called Google Plus, which mm-hmm. is a Facebook for Google. The right. old joke was the only people on Google Plus who work for Google. They had like two billion people, or I don't know how many incredible number of people. Only nine percent were posting anything on Google Plus, and so it kind of split off into this one thing called Photos yep. and something else. I think it's called Streams or something. Well, it's so interesting. It's too is, is bifurcating. Uh, yeah. is plus got popular with the photographers, and I think you know Google recognized that and they said, "Let's just make a dedicated photography." Yeah, we'll just call app. the photos. Yeah. yeah. So now let's just put this in perspective. So if you're worried about your keyword searches and your landing pages, now you're going to give your private photos and your video to Google. <laughs> to Google. Yes. So if and they trust didn't me. know enough about you, um, yeah. they're certainly going to know <laughs> everything about you. <laughs> exactly. Just just putting it out there. Okay. It might be good to diversify where you put your photos versus your searches. Just just a thought. But they're so convenient. I that's know. worth it, right? I should I, give up all my privacy for that. It's so convenient. Mm, well, it works so well. Okay, so that's an actually an interesting question is what are you willing to give up to get? And it's by generation, it's been seen that the younger generation is willing to give up more privacy and security for convenience and mobile access. And it's really, it's a very interesting thing because older um, the older you get, the more concerned you are, maybe because you know the implications and of what's happening. The graph is very easy, too. When you graph it study after study, pew, they all st- and they go, look at this. Old old folks under <clears throat> of a certain age, they're more <laughs> careful than young folks. This is this obvious graph. The older you get, the more stuff you've done that requires privacy. <laughs> <laughs> An aviation security researcher told the FBI that he took control of a plane in flight by hacking into the in-flight entertainment system, then getting from there into the flight controls. This reminds us of the target hack where the attackers got into the heating system mm-hmm. and then from there into the main company system. What's the lesson here? And this individual was apparently on the plane, mm-hmm. Bill. And apparently uh, was able to issue commands to make it climb a bit. So yes. you've got these, uh, these, these Wi-Fi networks on the planes, and they're, they're not really – they're not like – fully segregated physically from the, the rest of the network. I mean, there are security measures in place, obviously. You know, people who, who engineered this aren't, uh, aren't dumb. But, you know, it, it, to me, it sounds like maybe they need to explicitly say, okay, here's, here's this system. This is only for uh, in-flight Wi-Fi. It doesn't even talk to the other systems. It's completely air-gapped, so to speak. It's um, be siloed. But, yeah, it's, it's, but, it's, you know, it's not siloed uh, uh, well enough. So he demonstrated that, yeah, you can get in there and you can mess with the plane. Oof. Yeah, that's my response. Here is an email we got from Sprite, who, or a, a tweet we got from Sprite, who says, Apple's new music app offers significantly better return for musicians. It's also Android compatible. But speaking of return for musicians, we got this t- email from Lindy, who said, the only way working musicians can make any money today is to play live. Tour, tour. Tour, yeah, that's what we which about is in the what break. we were saying in the yeah. break. Yeah, no. What you have to do. But more music. Back to the phones. Here is Roy in Davidsonville, Maryland. Roy, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Wow, you guys are covering all of my pet subjects. <laughs> we'll do it just um, for that, you, Roy. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I, the one thing I wanted to bring up is Apple mentioned when they launched their news on the uh, WWDC uh, yesterday was that they were explicitly not going to track what you were going to be receiving from the app. 
which I thought was a huge, you know, they deserve huge kudos for because they're the only ones putting themselves out there to say, hey, you know, enough is enough. Roy, i got to jump in here. That's not a radio station. That's the Worldwide Developers Conference, right. WWDC. <laughs> that's right, because it also is a radio station, or used to be yeah. anyway, here in the Washington. Cor- correct. Yeah, I appreciate you jumping in, but the Worldwide Developers Conference, I'm a geek. I watch it every year. Yeah. Um, and... Um, and I was excited about the Apple Music launch because I think if one company is going to try and take care of musicians, it's probably Apple. I mean, because if you look at their growth uh, trajectory, a lot of it is because of music. And so you're not going to kill the goose that laid a golden egg. You're going to try and figure out how to get everybody paid. So, And I know it, when you watch Eddie Q on stage, you wonder, um, you know, is this guy one of these shady Hollywood types or is he actually – you know, care. I think he really does genuinely care about the musicians that are, you know, have made Apple what it is today. I mean, my God, what is their capitalization? It's in the three hundred billion or something like that. I mean, well, I, I remember everybody pronouncing your doom in the eighties, and I, I just sit back and laugh. <laughs> I take you back to the email from Lindy Roy. The only way working musicians can make any money today is to play live, tour, tour, tour. So there. But thank you for your call. Here is Michael in Fairfax, Virginia. Michael, your turn. All right, guys. How are you? We're well. Listen, uh, I'm I'm very intrigued by by the comments that elicit the same thing we've been hearing for a couple of years now, and that's that purchasable music is dead, and it's all going to be streaming. How does that hold up? against what Taylor Swift just went through with the release of her album. And I'm not saying there's not a lot of money to be made when she tours, maybe most of her money. Mm-hmm. But is somebody out there saying that she made a mistake or failed by how that album went out? No, I don't think anybody here is saying that at all. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're saying that, that physical music or pr- music purchases are going to die, but, you know, the, the trend is that more and more people will be streaming, and that will impact uh, sales of albums. But, you know, it's just one component. If you're Taylor Swift, yeah, your album is one component of, of how you make money. I mean, you've got, you've got fashion lines, you've got music videos, you've got right. tours, you've got well, merchandise. I can play one-on-one basketball with Kojo, but I'm not LeBron James. I mean, LeBron right. James can do things that other humans just can't do. That's and right. so Taylor Swift, is not. she's in that category, a separate human being from everyone else in the planet. Nobody cares I mean, if I drop an album. Yeah. I don't understand. But um, actually, it's about a content ecosystem. It's about that it's not going to be just about the album. It's not going to be just about the the tour. It's not going to just... Taylor Swift is a platform. It, a she's platform. a personal That's brand. A and so basically, she is going to be combining all of the different outlets to her. And that's what is going to uh, to bring her who she is uh, and continue to be who she is. So, And that's, uh, sadly enough, that's um, how many uh, musicians are going to have to see the world is through... Uh, multiple lenses now. While John and I continue to be unsigned singers and songwriters who are not (laughs) making any money at it at all, let's take a look at a few potential digital pitfalls and how best to avoid them. Bill, there's a bug in Apple's iOS 8 that lets messages and notifications crash it sometimes. Yeah, so it's it's kind of funny because it's a a series of what appear to be random-looking characters that uh, if you... um, send them to an Apple device uh, and they show up in messages. I think they can show up in other places too, like in a tweet, let's say, if they show up in the notifications. That string of characters, if you've ever read Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash, it's sort of like that. Your, your, your device just sort of uh, freaks out. And you have, in order to get around that, you have to find a way to remove that message. And one of the bits of advice is to go into your settings and turn off those on-screen notifications. Um, use Siri to re- reply because it, it's only the, the most recent item that shows up. So if you add a reply, that, that then moves the, uh, the offending message back in the queue, and then you're safe. So I imagine that uh, Apple's already got a, a, a patch in the pipe, pipeline that's going to repair that, but it's not out yet. So these are the workarounds. John, we all continue to get phishing emails, emails that want us to click on a link that will likely download a virus or a bug onto our computers. But one study found that 80% of people still cannot tell whether certain emails are legit or not. What's your advice? Well, this is amazing. I mean, we should we put the link in Kojo's show, and you can take a look yourself and see, and, and it's easy to get fooled. And I think what's happening now is that more and more people are, are reading their email with handheld devices. Their attention is being diverted, and they're looking at something quickly, and, oh, this is from Bill. I know Bill. I'll click. Uh-oh. 
it's the wrong bill. It's it's the wrong Kojo. It's the wrong Allison. So what's happening? I think if you com- combine this perfect storm of uh, most people using their handheld devices and they're not paying as much attention, and uh, the fishing expeditions with PH are getting more and more sophisticated, and, and people are vulnerable, and, and no wonder so many exploits are taking place because in the federal government they're attacked just like everyone else, and fishing is gonna win. New gadgets, new apps. What's your favorite way to store video? 800-433-8850. Are you saving up for a virtual reality headset? New devices and apps are coming online all the time. Our computer guys and gal have picked out some of their favorites from video to virtual reality. Allison, we have talked about Periscope and Meerkat and the popularity of video and social media. Now a startup called Founder Fox hit the funding jackpot with its app that lets entrepreneurs pitch their ideas to investors. What happened? Well, this is interesting. Um, basically, there's a new currency, which is you got to know how to do a pitch. You, um, because there are hackathons, there's competitions, and certainly you know there's Kickstarter projects and so on. In order to in order to make it big these days, you've got to be able to give that elevator pitch in a certain amount of time, in a slick video, in a in in uh, you know right to the right to the target, and you've got to have a lot of imagery, a lot less uh, a lot less bullet points, and so on. And Founder Fox found its niche because people were not thinking about the pitch, and um, not only did they found their niche, but they actually found four hundred thousand dollars. From their own technology, they basically pitched their pitch. <laughs> That's fantastic. Through and I'm their a client. Technology. I own the company, and I'm exactly. a client. <laughs> it was totally great. So it's very meta. Um, so in a few days, they made four hundred thousand dollars, and um, essentially, it's it's helping um, it's helping startups not only do the pitch but also track uh, what happens from uh, with the startups after uh, after they go live. Sounds like a great idea. I'm going to brag, but next week I'm speaking to the Public Relations Society of America and talking about how to pitch. (laughs) Ah, there you go. PRSA. The Oculus Rift virtual reality headset coming out early next year, John, but it won't be inexpensive. What do we know about it? Well, we know that my uh, my Twitter picture is a picture with this Rift taken in the room here across the hall. And well, apparently what's going to happen is it's going to cost some money, and you're going to be expected to have a rather powerful computer just to be able to enjoy all of it. You may have to spend $1,000 on some gamer computer, maybe a water-cooled gaming, and then spend who knows what, five to $600 more for the – Probably close we don't to know. four, but yeah, I mean, all told, I mean, a, a good computer with the graphics card they're recommending, you're looking at about a grand plus the cost of the Oculus Rift. And so for the single guys out there who are not married and under 30, this is probably going to be the good buy. I mean, they can expect a whole lot of horsepower and, and expect a whole lot right. out of it. And you'll still be tethered, but what an experience. It is an experience. Although, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that Sony is working on their own VR headset called Morpheus, and that's going to come out for PlayStation 4. So, that is a much more attainable technology. Still expensive, all told, but at least if you want to get in on VR, that may be the cheapest way to do it, ultimately. And they're not sure that this is going to be Mac compatible yet? So No, they're not focusing on the Mac yet. Yeah. I think that's long term. I mean, I don't think you can buy a Mac right now with a graphics card that really meets the needs anyway. And right. the other trend, too, with people going with laptops, you can't really buy a laptop today that's going to meet those needs either. So yep. this is definitely niche to start, for sure. Yeah, and actually, it's so niche that Oculus is actually planning some stores um, some to, for people to really try it out because it is something that people really do need to say, hmm, I wonder what this is like um, to understand. Well, the important thing is that my PC can handle it, so uh, I might have to check out an Oculus Rift when it actually comes yeah, out. Yeah, I've got the horsepower at home. Bill, you came across a device that uses an array of 16 cameras in a circle yes. to take 360-degree video. What's it called, and how does it work? It's called a Google Jump VR. It's a, it looks like a crown of, uh, of, uh, of, of um, GoPro cameras. And the idea behind that is that it can essentially uh, shoot in full 360. And uh, you can then have this video that you can then view in VR and really feel like you are, are there. Um, it looks like a drone to me when I saw the picture of it. Reminded me of like an aerobe flying disc, actually. Yeah. But, uh, they also talked about it. It's it's it could be three D or VR. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, th- those are not necessarily the same thing. And the other thing they're talking about too. And by by no means is uh, an array of GoPros cheap, but this is you know, for for something that's doing this. It's actually uh, pretty affordable if it's something you want to try to do. Simon in Alexandria, Virginia, wants to know if you can do a workaround. Simon, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi, Kojo. How are you? I'm well. Um, so my question is. I always, all my phones have been Android. Um, every phone I buy, it comes with the Google uh, search engine attached to the home screen. I can't get rid of that. And every phone I buy, you have to have a Google account to start your phone. 
and I, I don't buy Mac or Apple phones, but all the Android phones I bought, and, uh, they all, you have to have Google. And I'm, you know, I don't want to use Google. I don't want to use the search engine. I don't want to use, you know, all that stuff. Is there any way around that? John Gilroy. You don't want to use Apple and you don't want to use Android. Is that what you're saying? I don't want to use, I, I like Android, but all Android is connected with Google. Like, you have to set up a Google account to set up your Android phone. Like, that's one of the first things I mean, you see when you turn it on, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Get an old flip phone? I think, I think them's the brakes, honestly. <laughs> I can go back in time and get a flip phone. I don't know what else to do. I, I think you're, you're locked in. Yeah, I mean, wow. that, that's kind of the way, the way they're going. And, you know, again, it's convenience versus, you know, the potential privacy. I mean, well, but there's competing search engines like DuckDuck and, and right, Bing. Right, but you but, have to go to the web browser the phone world. to do that. And, and but, well, there is, my, uh, there is Microsoft. I can't believe I'm saying this. Um, you know, there is the Microsoft operating system on some phones. And it's, uh, and it's 3% market share. Right. It's just so small that I, mean, I can't, yeah, I can't yeah, say anything today that's going to get around that. The problem with Microsoft is you can't use because they're so small, like, a tenth of the apps work. Right. You know, well, right. and that's exactly, the problem. Yeah. If you want the content, they want you. Sorry. Yeah, so <laughs> at that point, you're going to Android or, or iOS. Yeah. Sorry about that, Simon. We've got to take a short break. When we come back, this is the season for graduation and Father's Day. What are you getting, your techie dad, for Father's Day? What tech device is on your college graduate's wish list? Give us a call, 800-433-8850. Shoot us an email to kojo at org or a tweet at Kojo Show. I'm Kojo Nandi. The Joe Go Project brings their jazz, funk, and fusion to the DC Jazz Festival and live to our studio. Plus, from the streets of Pyongyang to an American college campus, a memoir of escaping North Korea. Today at one on the Kojo Nam, the show on WAMU 88.5 and streaming at kojoshow.org. Good afternoon. I'm Pat Brogan. It's 1243, mostly cloudy, 84 degrees. Tech Tuesday, this hour is the Kojo Show. Uh, continues in just a moment. Then at 2, on fresh air, the legacy of the 1947 partition of India that created Pakistan. You'll hear from one journalist about the violence that surrounded the partition, why those tensions persist today, and how they've led to Pakistan's support of extremist groups like the Taliban. Support for WAMU 88.5 comes from City Market at O, unveiling Symphony in D.C. Major, block-long artwork paying tribute to Shaw's neighborhood legends. Live music by the Jogo Project and Local Bites, June 11th, 6 to 8 p.m. CityMarketAt.O.com slash Symphony in D.C. Major. And from University of Maryland University College, offering bachelor's and master's degrees for today's in-demand careers. Learn more about how they can help advance your career at umuc.edu. And from Brilliant Earths, committed to environmental and social responsibility when designing diamond engagement and wedding rings and other fine jewelry. More information online at BrilliantEarth.com. Welcome back. We're talking with the computer guys and gal. Allison Druin is chief futurist at the University of Maryland Division of Research and co-director of the Future of Information Alliance at the University of Maryland. Bill Harlow is a hardware and software technician for Macs and PCs at Mid-Atlantic Consulting Incorporated. And John Gilroy is director for business development for BLT Global Ventures. Um, as we said, this is the season for graduation and Father's Day. Allison, for the person who often misplaces things, how can the little adhesive square called tile help? Yeah, this is interesting. You basically, it's, um, you have to have an app that, you have to have an app and download it onto your phone, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, Essentially, it's almost like a find your phone, okay, or find your friend, um, because if if you have that tag on that thing, you'll be able to I find... I have one, and I lost it. I, well, no. <laughs> I realized I as I home. was dealing with this, I said, wait a second, what if I, if I lose my phone with the app on it? So uh, this might not be right, but anyway, you have to use the Bluetooth... You know, yeah, find I, I what have you one. Lost. I, I did a speaking gig downtown, and, and someone as a you know honorarium, they gave me one of these little things. What is it? In case you lose your phone, I have no idea what to do with it. <laughs> How good is the adhesive? Can I stick it to my cats when they get out of the house? Yeah. <laughs> my car keys. I can. What does oh, it do? Glasses. Well, it's a 
basically it's just got a little uh it's got a little radio signal to the um to the app it's it's and it uses bluetooth okay and it's a little tile and it costs twenty dollars for this little tile if you lose the tile john you've lost twenty dollars what a cheapy um, gift i got but, huh but if you uh yeah really uh, know what i'm giving on june 30th for, um, <laughs> yes. for 17.95 for each tile but anyway the idea is get for bill's uh, birthday present but the idea is basically i'd accept it you guys are so anyway um <laughs> the idea is essentially to add more information to the objects that matter to you and mm. then you can find it the problem so I is can't stick it to my cats what you say <laughs> Silly, yeah. silly. Bye. I'm, I'm Bye. finishing Allison's earlier sentence. S- silly. You guys are so silly. <laughs> Allison, you're the only one with any sense here, so keep talking. For people planning to travel with their devices, yes. there are a variety of cases that add some extra protection. Yes. It's called Life... Well, there's one, there's one company I like, uh, which is called LifeProof. And um, and basically, you know, it, you can drop the thing, you can submerge it in water, you can dump dirt on it, um, and it works. It works on iPhones, Samsung Galaxy, Droids, iPads. It, essentially, you know, as we make these things smaller and smaller, they become more and more fragile. Um, I'm not the only one to have dropped my iPhone 5 within 10 seconds of getting it um, before I got a case on it. Now I have a case on my iPhone 6. But it's um, it's really important to actually have it so that you, uh, besides losing it, John, that you mm. don't end up breaking it within two minutes. And it's fun because you could do selfies underwater. Really worthwhile because it's amazing how much you realize these phones actually cost when you drop and have to replace them. Oh, you don't want to. Re- I, I have the. I still have the crack in the iPhone five. Um, I, my daughter Aviva is uh, what to call it. Is still walking around with that iPhone five with the banana. She calls hand it the banana crack. Give you those hand me downs. That's shocking. Oh, hey, it's a gold. I'm not gonna balk at a gold well, anyway. Good luck, Aviva, <laughs> for for the woman on the go. How does Mighty Purse help you keep everything fully charged? Oh, I love this one. You can choose from. So many different styles of purse, but when you open up the purse, you can plug in your USB device, and it is awesome. So you can have the most stylish um, outfits in the purse and everything else, and then you've got your phones and your stuff hanging in there. My and briefcase does that, actually. It's got a battery built in and all these little charging ports. I'm loving it, but, through. you know, usually it's Can not I so get stylish. that in a man purse? Um, actually, yeah. there are a few man purses like that. Yes, there are. It's a European carry-all. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Purse. Anyway, I, I love it. The Mighty Purse, uh, $100 range, lots and lots of styles to, to choose from. Thank you very much. Bill, Google announced a new version of Android that is now available for developers mm-hmm. to play with. How will it differ from what we have now? Well, the, there, there are a lot of uh, subtle refinements. The one I thought, the things I found most interesting to me were they were talking a lot about uh, developing uh, uh, areas of the world where maybe um, you know fast cellular uh, data access isn't ubiquitous. So the idea behind that is you can have maps and other data that uh, you know it recognizes that you know it doesn't have a great connection, so it. it caches what it can offline so when you're not on a network at all you can the device is still functional and you can still get get something out of it and it's stuff like that that google does i find really really cool because they're not just thinking about someone like me who's got all this convenience around him but you know the next version of um android m yes and it's called for the developers um i really like the idea that they're going to have search within apps so um, a Google obviously is the king of a king and queen of search, and so now you're going to be able to embed that within the apps. Um, also, I like the idea that they're going to do Android Pay, and um, sounds familiar. Um, but I love. Well, Apple they got there Pay. first. They, you know, Google had the wallet first for Apple had Pay, so I, I give that to them. You know, this yeah. is back last and month forth. we talked about Mobile Geddon when Google started deprecating people if you use search on your mobile device. This is what the world's starting to turn into. I think when students are in study in school, they're going to focus on mobile development more than anything instead of the classic large screens. Mobile development, mobile development. This is where it's going to be in the next ten years. On to the phones. Here is Rico. In Germantown, Maryland, Rico, your turn. Uh, good afternoon. My question is: I need a solution that would store all of my music, and I could listen to it in my house, but uh, that doesn't require like a paid subscription. I have a Western Digital external drive, but I, there's no way I can listen to it on any other device in my house unless it's a paid subscription. I've tried the Xbox One. It's not working because 
There's no interface between the two. So any suggestions? Well, you, uh, I have a vast collection. I think over 10,000 oh, albums, wow. CDs. You know, if you look at the statistics, Rico, you find out that uh, 50% of hard drives don't make it to their sixth birthday, even if it is June 30th. And CDs last about a decade, so you're on thin ice. <laughs> You've got yeah, to on thin ice, and we'll have Bill give you the solution. But I know you're in thin Maybe he can reach out with a stick or something and pull you in. Well, I'll give you uh, my solution, which may not fit, fit your needs, but, uh, yeah, I do have a, a Mac Mini. You, you, could ha- you can buy these little uh, devices called uh, NAS, network-attached storage. You can, they have multiple hard drives in them. Um, have that new network. Fundamentally, for me, I had to rip everything um, from CDs and and put them on these drives on the network. And then you, there are a variety of different things you can hook up to your speakers or receivers or TVs or what have you. Like an Apple TV, for example, would see your iTunes library from a central location. Um, but yeah, what you said about hard drives failing is absolutely right. So in my case, I still make sure I back that stuff up. And you're adding that complication, too. But if, if, if that's what you want to do and you want to own the data and you want to be responsible for it and not have it go away, if you unsubscribe from a service or that service goes under, then that's kind of what you're stuck doing. Now, a creative solution would be to call up Brady from Charlottesville and have him come down and, and sing for you because he's an unsigned musician. <laughs> you're weird. <laughs> Rico, 10,000 albums. Wow. That's a lot of listening, pal. Good That's luck. That's big data. Wow. Thanks, thanks. That's big, big data. Thank you very much for your call. Good luck to you. Um, Apple, Bill, announced last month it's buying a company called Coherent Navigation. How does the purchase reflect a desire to challenge the dominance of Google Maps with Coherent navigation have helped you get here faster today? Uh, well, I used Waze, and Apple uses Waze data, but Waze just had way more information about all the stuff that was going wrong in my life at that very moment, so that came <laughs> in really handy. Um, I think this is it, it, Apple doesn't say much about who they acquire and why, but it's you know it's another company that that uh, does navigation. It sounds like what they do is they add um, the ability to do more precise navigation without the traditional GPS signals. Um, so you know. Things, when you use your iPhone that talks to the cell towers, it, you know, it, it, it does the best it can. It gives an approximation, and the idea is that this helps refine that further. And Uber's Would you invest in a company called Incoherent Navigation? <laughs> no, Uber's getting this game, too. They're not only looking at startups for mapping, they're looking at robots as well. So what's the world going to have when you hit your, your Uber app and a robot car pulls up? Who knows? But, you know, the other thing, too, is, look, Apple learned the hard way that it's not okay to do mapping um, only, you know, 80% of the way. Mapping has got to be incredibly accurate and incredibly, you know, on time and, you know, right to the moment. Current, yeah. And, and so it's very, you know, and this is, that's a very difficult place to be. Apple tried. Yeah. And they're, they're actually acquiring more and more, you know, essentially knowledge in that area so they can they can uh, go up against Google and Uber and to be Nokia fair to, here and to so be fair on. To Apple, though, I don't think anybody released like a, a map service that was 100% perfect out of the gate. I mean, you had to start from somewhere and they started from an area that was uh, quite frankly, well, you said 80%, but I mean, the reality is everybody is used to Google Maps. Google Maps worked great. At that time, Google Maps was 100% refined and good to go and worked for the vast majority of people. So, you know, I think Apple's first effort was a good first effort, but you're going against Google's, you know, version 10 or whatever it was internally. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the problems with if you're not first out, if you're not, if you don't have the first driver position, then you have to be that much better. And Apple didn't get it because Apple had this sort of ego, well, we're Apple. So, of course, we, we can be okay. Back to the theme of graduation and Father's Day gifts. We got an email from Deborah in Alexandria who says, I'm getting my husband the anti-tech gift. It's a beautiful handmade wood box with a lid that is engraved with one, open box, two, insert phone, three, close lid, (laughs) (laughs) and be present in the moment. Apps of the Month, John. Your app of the month is the Maps app on the new iOS 8. Well, I did a little traveling here in the last couple of weeks, and I was just amazed at how good this app is. I mean, my wife was I was driving, and my wife was going, let's go here, bang. And it would give very precise, and we'd, do, we'd make the wrong term and correct instantly. And I just, I, I can't believe how good it is. So I think it's uh, the app of the month for me. What a great one. And it's an Apple product. It just works great. Allison, rather than picking an app this month, you have found two iPhone covers that you like. Yes, I'd like to give the first iPhone cover to John. Thank you. It is the beer can iPhone cover. (laughs) It is $50, and it looks like you're carrying around a beer can. Wow, that'll be a change. Okay, um, and this the second one is not for John. It is for all the executives in the world, whether they be men or women. It is a beautiful wooden zebra 
um, uh, cover, uh, and it is also 50-ish uh, in terms of dollars. And so you can decide if you want to be like John with mm-hmm. your beer can, mm-hmm. or you can have a zebra wooden cover iPhone. What do you like about the wooden zebra cover? It feels natural. It makes it um, – it, it, it's sort of like – you know how we used to have um, business cards? I know nobody has business cards now. I do. But we used to have business cards. I know you're an elephant. <laughs> nobody anyway, wants them. And nobody wants them. <laughs> and, um, and we always had little wooden um, cases. It just felt good, and it's the same thing. That feels good in your hand. Bill, your favorite app is called Overcast for listening to podcasts. Yes. What does it do? Well, first of all, it's not 50 bucks, big spenders. It's five bucks. <laughs> um, and it is just an outstanding uh, podcasting app for um, iOS. Uh, the built-in Apple one has failed me so many times, I finally gave up on it. This one works brilliantly, and I listen a lot in the car. And it's, this has a really nice uh, EQ dynamic compression mode so that when you're driving, it balances out the voices of the people you're listening to. So it's all you know, intelligible, and I'm not getting blasted by my GPS. And, and, the, and the navigation uh, commands when I have to crank up the volume and then, you know, just to hear the podcast and then turn it down every time the uh, Maps app tells me to make a turn. So, great app. <laughs> we got a tweet from Potomac Will who said, should Internet service providers such as Verizon also be content producers? Weren't the two functions separated in the early days of TV? Were they? It's an interesting question is, will that create a monopoly of dependence? And um, you know what? The jury's out on that. Well, Netflix has shows they, they crossed over, too. They crossed over, and that's what Verizon's trying to do, I think. Yeah, well, and in, in the age of, uh, you know, wireless and, um, and things that are, uh, it, you know, carrying bits are cheap, so content is king. And they've got to compete with the, the Comcast slash NBCs of the world, too, so they can't sit back. Yeah. And I'm afraid that's all the time we have. John Gilroy is Director for Business Development for BLT Global Ventures. John Gilroy, always a pleasure. Thank you. He lied cleverly. <laughs> Bill, Har- <laughs> Bill Harlow is Hardware and Software Technician for Max and PCs at Mid-Atlantic Consulting Incorporated. Bill, thank you for joining us. June 30th, don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> and Alison Druin is Chief Futurist at the University of Maryland Division of Research and Co-Director of the Future of Information Alliance at the University of Maryland. Allison, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And try to remember, forget June 30th. Thank you all for listening. I'm Kojo Nandi. Coming up tomorrow on the Kojo Nandi show, a fossilized palm tree found in Alaska. What ancient plants tell us about the planet's climate change cycles? The director of the Smithsonian's Natural History Museum joins us. Then at one, growing food in cities. The University of the District of Columbia's role in researching urban gardening. The Kojo Nandi show noon till two tomorrow on WAMU. 88.5 and streaming at kojoshow.org. And there's still much more Kojo ahead today after NPR News, a full hour from 1 to 2. Then at 2 on Fresh Air, Lake Guitarist and inventor Les Paul was born 100 years ago today. You'll hear an interview. WAMU 88.5 is your listener-supported NPR news station in the greater Washington, D.C. region. You can support the Kojo Namdi Show and all the regional coverage you value by becoming a member today. Click the Donate button at WAMU.org and thanks.